everyone. Welcome back to Spotlight On, the interview podcast where I get to go and speak with Mississippi artists about their lives, their history, and their practice. We find out what they're doing in their studios, and we find out all about how they think. I'm your host, Derek Covington-Smith, and I invite you to come along as we discover what it is to live and work as an artist in Mississippi today. The Spotlight On podcast is brought to you by the Little Yellow Building in Brookhaven, Mississippi. All right, on to the interview. Hey, everyone, and welcome back. Thank you again for joining us this week. We have another phenomenal guest artist. Her name is Angie Montgomery. Angie, welcome. Thank you for being here. Hi, Derek. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and to get us all started, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you grew up and maybe some history and art? Okay. Well, I grew up in Pleasant Grove, Mississippi, which is not on the map anymore. We lost our post office. So it's um, it's west of Sardis, which is just on the cusp of the Delta out in the country. And if you ask my grandmother, my art career began when I was four, when I would come to her and cry because my hands wouldn't do what my brain saw or my imagination was thinking. So, um, yeah, I, I think people are born creative and I am definitely one of those people. And it's just an innate thing that has been with me since I can remember. So fast forward in high school, my mom started putting me in private art lessons with a local artist. And, you know, looking back, I was really lucky because this local artist knew her stuff and I got such a great foundation. And I went to a private school, so there were no art programs in school. But this lady, um, I think that's when I really started moving forward with my abilities to create and really replicate what I could see. And from the beginning, she, she put oil paints in my hands and um, chalk pastels and color pencils and watercolor. So, you know, I had all those foundations under my belt before ever graduating. It's amazing how, you know, and I'm, I'm in a very similar situation. When I grew up in high school, I, did, I had no arts and it was late in high school. And I, there was a very talented teacher, Vicki Land, who just recently passed away. Um, she she got me and got a hold of me and was able to teach me, you know, enough to when I hit college, when I hit the local community college, I was able to hang with the other kids who had had art classes for a long time. It's really important. The, the smaller private artists in the community that are that are teaching kids this type of stuff. I'm glad you got that experience. Where did you well, go? Ahead? Um, so my teacher was Carol Rourke and She's still a great friend and mentor to this day. Um, in fact, I spent time with her last weekend at another workshop. I'm still taking lessons from her. <laughs> but so in high school, you know, I, I loved art. I lived and breathed it. It's all I ever wanted to do. And my senior year, I ended up getting pregnant. So my family pleaded with me. They said, Angie, do not go to art school. You know, get a trade. Take care of this kid please don't go to art school. <laughs> so um, I've been to four colleges. I just want to say that going into this. <laughs> story. 
So I did, I listened to them and I was like, well, if it's not going to be art, it's going to be science, right? Because I'm just innately curious about everything, the world in general. So I ended up um, going into a health degree in sonography at Baptist College of Health Sciences. And I was deep into the program. Like I almost, I almost finished it, but I did not. My heart was not in it. I wanted to go to art school. I spent most of my time in my sketchbooks, drawing the organs, you know, you have to learn all the interior organs to do this. And even at clinicals, the nurses were like, she doesn't want to do this. She's over there drawing in her book, you know? (laughs) So I went back to Miss Carol And she helped me put together a portfolio to go to art school. Unbeknownst to my parents, they knew nothing. They didn't know I dropped out. They didn't know my plans. But my internally, I was like, okay, I'm going to put together this portfolio. I'm going to get a scholarship. And then they can't say anything. And I did. I did. I got a $50,000 scholarship to Memphis College of Art off my portfolio. Congratulations. Wow, what a scary time, though. Like to be going against the the powers that be to to fight for what you want and especially to go and do it without the the adult supervision in the room. Because I know from my time back, you know, I don't I, I was very dependent on the adults around me to help guide me through those type of situations. So I don't know how I would have you know, gone about doing all of that on my own. That's amazing. I I don't make the best decisions. I didn't in my youth. <laughs> I mean, I think that was clear from getting pregnant at 18. <laughs> I wasn't going to do what they told me to in the long run. You know, I just wanted to be happy. Yeah. And so, um, so now you're at Memphis College of Art and Design. I am. And... <sighs> I was like a kid in a candy store. I got to art school and I wanted to try everything. You know, I grew up in small town, Mississippi. There wasn't any art. You know, I I knew how to paint. I knew how to draw. Um, But they had videography, metalsmithing and ceramics and bookmaking and web design. And I took it all. I never took a painting class in school. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) No. And I ended up with a degree in sculpture because it's the vocation that I could be most playful. Um, I could experiment with anything and everything I wanted and it could all be categorized under sculpture. You know, by my senior year, I was making these weird videos and sculpting screens for them to be projected on. And that was art. (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. And so what happened then? What happened next? Um, Well, so. So I did eventually transfer over to University of Memphis because apparently, you know, $50,000 seems like a lot. But in the private art school world, it's not really a lot. And my parents weren't helping me, you know. They were not going to help me be in art school. So I was I was bartending at this time. I bartended for and waited tables for seven years all through college. Took me seven years to go to college (laughs) Um, with a kid, you know, so I didn't take a lot of classes at once. I was raising my daughter at the same time. In fact, uh, sometimes I would even take her to school with me into different departments. So she had an interesting childhood. That's a, that's a whole, 
I mean, that's a whole series on its own. Like you get <laughs> yes <laughs> on TV and watch, you know, single mom and and struggling raising and going to school and working you the, the the jobs that you mentioned they're all nighttime jobs so i mean these that's wow well wow. my schedule you know i only work two days a week and that was the beauty of working at a bar because you could you can make pretty good money off two days a week right so i didn't have a a social life really i worked every friday and saturday night and i went to school during the week and I try to schedule my school hours to coincide with Avery's daycare or her school hours eventually. Um, yeah. So, but back to art at, um, at university of Memphis, I studied under Greeley Myatt. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He actually went to, um, Ole Miss and Delta State and has an awesome show at the Dixon right now. Some pretty interesting cakes and cookies and candies all made out of crazy things. Um, but, you know, I, I did fall in love with sculpture and especially the, um, I guess the symbolism and the histories that you can get in a piece of art by using different materials. Mm -hmm. You know, he has he has these giant cake sculptures up right now that are all made out of wood and caulk, right? Or suckers out of stone. And I just thought it was so interesting to make things. And, you know, you've got that dynamic of, yes, this is an object that has its own history, a sucker, but so do the materials that you're making it out of like a stone. So what kind of story does that create when you put those two things together? And another thing that he taught me was art is not just, you know, something that you hang on the wall as a, if your piece is a sculpture, how does it, has it take up space? You know, art can be an experience, right? And the placement of your sculpture, just like the composition in your canvas, will will direct your viewer and how you want them to to interact and go within the piece. So, so that had a big influence on me, and I loved creating things that had that experiential factor to them, right? That were kind of playful or tugged on emotion or were weird and you know off the wall like I I just created very intuitively but thinking about the experience and the emotional factor that the the experience and the emotional factor that you're talking about plays and a role that not everybody really considers you know, we in and not in Southern art, especially because in Southern art, we're very much tied into the image that we portray visually with our visual arts. And but what you're talking about is so far beyond that. It's it's about tugging at memories and tugging at um, connections and realizations of of others that are around you and how interactions happen. Like, but it's all tied together through this beautiful thread. That's the artist's job, you know, string the threads. Like I, um, one of my younger students there in my, my thir third to fifth grade class, they have now come to three different classes 
and talked about this art piece that got sold for X amount of money. And she's like, it's an invisible sculpture. <laughs> nothing there. And I eventually got her to understand. I was like, you're still talking about it. You've now talked about this invisible sculpture, you know, three classes in a row. And I've never heard you talk about another piece of art or another artist this much. They impacted you. I was like, that's incredible. Like, this is what this is all about. Yes. Yes. Um, when I'm looking at pieces, you know, my favorite artists are the ones that make me feel alive in some way. Um, you know, and I, I like scrolling through Instagram and, you know, there's a lot of famous people in there with lots of followers. They don't usually talk back to you, but I still love them. Like, oh my gosh, that, this makes me feel so alive. And, you know, that's what I want to do with my pieces as well. I love the craft involved. You know, I, I still feel like I'm deeply rooted in the classical art making techniques and I, I want to develop good craft, but yes, I, I'm also in love with the contemporary aspect of it. So. Well, speaking of your art, let's talk about it. Um, oh goodness. The hard part. <laughs> no, but, well, well, for this, it's, it's, I want you to describe your art because the people who are, are, with us right now are listening, you know, so describe your art to anybody who's not seen it. Ooh, okay. Well, quick story, yeah. quick story before I describe my art. So, you know, I graduated with a sculpture degree. So if you go look on my website, you're going to see a big array of different types of artwork. And that's because there was a big gap between my making process of when I was sharing work, I was still making things and, you know, being very creative. But if you look back to my, my school art, there's a lot of sculpture or collage or video and a lot of different materials. Um, but between graduating and now I've had several creative jobs that kept me from making. I spent, I spent four years in the graphic design industry at a Flexo print house making packaging, <laughs> everything you see in the grocery store. And then um, after that, I took a job with the DeSoto Arts Council as their executive director and was thrown back into the art world after not being there for a while. Right. So um, the job did not last long for me because I quickly realized that I'm not an administrator. I am a creator and I cannot be around all those artists and not be creating like I just had to get back to it. So so I started back again and I tell people that I think we tend to go back to our first hands. Right. So. My first hand was in painting. And even though I have all these sculptures, I, I wanted to go back to painting. Painting was calling me back. So I spent a long time over the past year or two um, just trying to convince myself that I could paint again. You know, so 
I was doing a lot of observational work and landscapes and figures and drawing and getting back into the groove of it all. Um, but right now my work is starting to merge back into what I was creating in school with the painting practices. So, um, the current pieces I'm doing have a lot to do with the, the material as well as the paint and the symbolisms of different elements, um, collaging elements together and using aspects of observational painting mixed with my own intuitions and subconscious. I work a lot with feminine um, imagery. I think it's because I was raised by a lot of strong women. <laughs> And was a single mom myself, so not that I'm a hardcore feminist, but, you know, it just comes out because that is my experience. So I've got a painting up right now that is um, a figure with a table around her waist um, set into a, a garden of pastas with a dog. Um, laying next to her. So it's very representational in nature, but it's also slightly odd. And I don't know if I can even explain it well, but after I create a piece, I, I kind of meditate on it a little bit and think back to what, what was going on and trying to understand it a little. And um, from the from the, the the pieces that I've seen that I've really enjoyed, because um, I, I get to experience artists mostly through Instagram. I, I stalk y'all and I'm like, oh, I want to talk to that one. Oh, I want to talk to this one. Ooh. Um, and then, but from the ones that I've really enjoyed, the the subject matter tends to be larger proportioned in in the in the frame. Like you tend to zoom in a little bit on your subject matter and and focus in on that. And your colors are strong and 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 solid from what the recent work. Um, I believe I'm looking at the right one, right? I don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> I'm about to pull it up because you were you were listening. I'm like, wait a minute. I am. Yeah. Yeah, so the ones that I was looking up, you've got this really, um, this really nice piece, Hamburger Lady. Oh yeah, it's a charcoal drawing. Yeah, but it's 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 really zoomed in. Your subject matter is large. You can't identify eyes. You see a mouth, but it, it your, your I, pieces that have developed on canvases like that. The the way that I'm, I'm experiencing them is I'm able to put myself in them a little bit. They're abstracted just enough to where I'm not recognizing anybody as a person I know, and I'm able to relate and, and sit inside of the painting a little bit. And then you've got this really cool one. That's a portrait that has this ball coming off the top of the head. It feels like your thoughts are just getting knotted and, and confusion and ripped out of the back of your skull, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very relatable and it's slightly uncomfortable, which I love. Like I love sitting with the uncomfortable and, and forcing myself to figure out why I'm, it makes me uncomfortable, but it's also very palatable 
for for anybody that would come by and view it. I don't think that any of it stands out as as overwhelmingly shocking, but it it's thought provoking, if that makes sense. And I'm really glad that you said that you can't you can't see any like person that you might know in the faces because I do try hard to do that. I I love working with a figure, but I don't want to make it about a person. You know, I'm using the figure as as a way to get into emotion. And with the current pieces I'm creating, I'm using a lot of um, like old sculptures as reference material because I don't even want the faces to look like they come from 2020. You know, I want old age, just just a face, just a, a symbol, basically. So what's your day-to-day work life like? <laughs> I mean, it's a, that's a big thing. I love hearing about that because however you handle your day-to-day, I get some little inspiration out of that and, and try to fit something into mine. I love hearing about that. My, my three-hour coffee ritual? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... It's different. I'm, I'm trying to get into doing more teaching, uh, which I, you know, I have in the past. I've taught a lot with the DeSoto Arts Council, and I've just started teaching with the Collierville Arts Academy in Collierville, Tennessee. So, so that's disrupting my studio time a little bit, but it's also great because I get to speak to people. Um, it's not healthy being by yourself all the time. <laughs> But I usually start my day with coffee and writing. Um, I recently figured out that I am an Enneagram 7. I don't know if you've taken the Enneagram test, but it makes so much sense. Sevens are variety driven and very scattered. So writing in the morning allows me to just like the thought maze painting that you saw, um, that's how I feel most days. You know, there's a lot of stuff up there, but I don't exactly know how to get to it, right? So writing is a way for me to untangle all of that and kind of get a a grip on, you know, what are my overall priorities for the, the week or the month? And what can I do today to the best of my ability to reach those goals, whatever they might be. Um, from there, I, I love my puppies. So we usually go on morning walks. They're with me in the studio all the time, my buddies. Um, and, and then I just get into painting and I feel like once I get in there, I can, I can really focus, you know, maybe a a tight, a little bit dyslexic because I can hyper-focus once I start something. I don't want to leave it. What's your creation process like? Because you have the, the, the ideas and when does that come about? Does that come about in your daily habits? And then you just sit down to create when it's studio time and have those ideas? Or do you sit down? I don't know. How's it all work for you? Well, um, I like to pull from a lot of different sources. So I've, I've recently, you know, the observational painting, I started going back out with Miss Carol, who is an avid plein air painter. 
And I've never been a plein air painter, but, you know, I just wanted to be around people and I wanted some guidance. So she invited me to a couple of events to come and paint with people outside. Um, And I think that has really opened my eyes to to creating work that is really from your own experience, right? And by going out and painting outside or collecting reference from outside or wherever it is, I can mesh the present with the subconscious and the past all in one painting. So I pull from a lot of things. I love being outside and pulling from those experiences of being in nature or I'll pull from a book I'm reading or history. I love old history books that are boring to most people. (laughs) Um, And then imagery, but imagery that has an emotional impact for me. You know, I don't want to just copy someone else's work or someone else's photograph. I really want to kind of create my own world, if you will, with, with whatever is around me. And I think, you know, it's kind of hard to explain. It may sound crazy, but it's always been that way for me. Like I've just made things with whatever is at my fingertips. When I was younger, I drove my sister crazy because I would create figures with the hair on the shower wall. (laughs) There's no end to it. What a blessing that is, though, because that's one of the hardest things for a lot of artists to get past is the the flushing out all the outside influence of, oh, this is really nice and this would look good on so and so's wall and, you know, their other house over there. Like there's there's so many outside influences when artists, especially when they're learning and they're going through and they're just trying to figure out how to draw and how to paint they're they're at the same time in their head is oh well all my friends will think that this is a great drawing if i do this cat or if i do this barn or this cow or this you know there's lots of pre-set requisites that you can check off and get applause you know that's but getting past that, flushing that out of your system and getting to the things that make your soul give applause and putting that out into the world like that, not having a problem with that is leaps beyond what a lot of people have to struggle with. So that's incredible. Like well, that, I don't know if I've never had a problem with it. Um, it's always been a thing like, when I was younger in painting things, my my parents have, you know, the biggest gallery of ancient Montgomery paintings there is in the world. And I did a lot of really pretty things like birds and people. And um, so, yeah, I got that all out really early. But then, you know, when I started creating like truly from me, my family did not understand it. <laughs> they didn't know how to talk about it. We did not talk about it. It was just <laughs> a thing. Like Angie was an artist, but we don't know what she's making. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you, you got to do what you're passionate about. And the people that enjoy your work are out there. And eventually you will find your tribe that you fit in with 
right? But if you create, you know, what people tell you to do or what you think is marketable, then, you know, if you're just doing it because you really like money, then that's where, you know, that's your end goal. But my end goal is self-expression, money or not, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, and, and for anybody that like, please don't get me wrong. If you are able to, you know, produce product, get the money, get the dollar, get the bread and butter situation. Good for you. It just, it, whenever I try to do it, it stops me up. Like I, I'll get maybe one or two pieces. Oh, perfect example. I did, um, you know, coming back to Brookhaven, I wanted to test the waters. I love pop culture and I love pop culture. That's odd. So I love John waters and divine and, and all of these really crazy people. And I do portraits of them all the time. Well, you know, small town, Brookhaven, Mississippi, you don't really splatter portraits of divine anywhere. It's just not what you <laughs> And so I tested the waters and I, I created these really pretty flower paintings and I got through six of them before I couldn't paint anything anymore. I didn't want to, you know, it was just like, oh, I'm done. I'm going to burn the building down. I'm walking away. You get stuck. You get stuck and stifled in situations like that. You do. You really do. And there's a lot of pressure from other people because they don't understand, um, I guess, the path of an artist to, you know, having an art career. When I was even even a year or two ago, like really starting to dig into this and trying to make this a career, I had a lot of people tell me, well, you're just going to have to make stuff that you don't want to make until you're at a point where you can make things. And I did. I did a few commissions and I'm still doing some commissions, although every single one, I think to myself, this is the last one. Really, this is the last one ever (laughs) because, you know, when you're doing something for someone else like that, for me, at least, it's just not me. You know, people are wanting me to do things that are inside their own imagination and your heart's just not in it. And it comes out in the artwork. It's like running a marathon in combat boots. You just, you're in the shoes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, well, you know, you had mentioned a little bit about you, you're working with the school and you've got um, a workshop going on. I think that's a six week workshop that yes. you're, you just started, right? Um, what in the future do you plan on doing more workshops open to the public? Like how do people find out about that and maybe get get joined into one of your workshops? Well, I hate to speak too soon, but yes, um, I'm doing an intro to oil painting workshop in Collierville. And that's for teenagers, 13 to 17, and for adults. Anybody who knows nothing about oil painting, I will take you through the process. And I love to tell people that I'm a great teacher because I was a terrible student and I made all the mistakes in art making and in life because I'm an experimenter of things. (laughs) So... So, yeah, I'm really proud of these these workshops. I've worked hard on them and there will be more in the future in September this month on the 18th. I'm doing a color mixing workshop will be um, very inexpensive, a little intro. So that'll also be in Collierville. You can find all of this stuff on my website, AngieMontgomery.com. 
if you're looking for me, my name is spelled weird because of my mom. <laughs> it's A-N-G-E-E um, Montgomery. Yep. And then Angie, you know, uh, one last thing and I'll, I'll let you go and, and let you be about the rest of your day. Um, you know, looking back on everything that we've talked about and, and just your life and art in general, what would be some advice you would either give to yourself or somebody that's coming up behind you? Oh, Lord, that's treacherous territory. Um, well, you know, I, I went to four colleges and with every new adventure, I felt like I was leaving the old one behind. And one thing that I really regret about, you know, jumping and doing all of those things is not keeping in touch with all of my professors and all of my friends and my mentors from each of those eras of my life. Because for some reason, I had this fantasy that, you know, you just started fresh. High school was an end and then college, you started fresh and you could leave all that behind. But it's just not true. Um, every person in your life is a building block to where you are right now. And I think the relationships that you have with people are the most important thing um, for anyone. So any young artist coming up, I would say keep in touch with your friends and your mentors and your teachers and, you know, really learn from them. And then my, my second piece of advice is we live in a very commercialized world where people say, you've got to pick a, pick a niche, you know, what, who are you? What are you known for? What are you going to, you know, who are you going to be at the end of the day? And I just don't think that people need to focus on that at first. If you're an artist, I think you should spend a year, a year and a half really making work and experimenting and going through the process before ev before you ever think about marketing or deciding, you know, I'm going to claim that I'm a painter. I still change those words on my website quite frequently. If anybody looks, <laughs> I'm, my bio changes weekly. <laughs> I've, I've changed mine to professional creative several times. <laughs> I don't know what to, to do anymore. Wow. Really, really great advice. The, the connections one, your first piece of advice is something I wish I had thought of as well, because I, I've moved from one place to another, to another, and I'm, you know, still connected, but not actively was connected. Right. For an example of when it comes out of success, it's like I, I moved back to Mississippi and we needed something done We're we're having a memorial done for um, a fallen classmate. And, you know, they, one of my friends called up a meeting and then all the classmates kind of, kind of got in the chat and they're like, okay, we need to do this. And boom, boom, boom. Everybody had something and it was done. You know, the plans were made. Everybody had a different part that, you know, through their life and through their connections, they were able to take care of. And right. what you 
realize when you're an artist is that these people are the connections you need. They might not be the one that's so super interested in your work, but they might have this client or this friend or this associate that loves your style of art. And then you're introduced to a whole new crowd. You know, so networking that way is extremely important. It's all very interconnected um, as an artist that you can't. So small. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, Angie, thank you so much for coming on and and giving your time to share with us about your life and your experiences. It means a great deal to me getting to, to listen to it. And I know it means a good deal to my listeners that are, that get to experience this. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Yeah. For everyone else, you can find Angie Montgomery at angiemontgomery.com. Also on Instagram at Angie underscore Montgomery. And remember, it's Angie, A-N-G-E-E, Montgomery, M-O-N-T-G-O-M-E-R-Y. Thank you. And until next time, bye.